0: Well, once again, I want to welcome you here this morning to Green Nazarene. Uh, I realize it's the opening day of deer season, so I think we've lost a few to the deer woods this morning. But trust me, that is not where the senior pastor is. He hasn't been deer hunting in a very long time. He says it's something about his back, but I think it's just because of the cold. But so, Pastor Steve isn't here this morning, so I've been given the privilege of being able to bring our message to preach and speak for you um, this morning, and I am so glad you're here. I'm excited about that. If you're a first time guest with us, uh, my name is Pastor Hunter, and I am excited that you are here. And if you would, uh, there's a green card in those seat backs that are right in front of you that we would love for you to fill out, and you can drop that in the back at the welcome center, which is the big, the big brown desk there in the in the in the foyer. And if you do that, they've got a little gift for you a little green bar nazarene mug that 's pretty nifty it 's not like I designed it or something, but it looks pretty cool so <laughs> Um, So you can get one of those uh, for free, and we would love just to know. We're not going to harass you or anything like that or bug you with emails every single day, but we would love to know that you were here and to get to know you just um, a little bit better. And if you are one of our regulars, and if you take that green card and you fill it out and you give it to me after service, I'll give you like a high five or something. But not one of those. Those mugs are $10 for y'all. So first-time visitors for free, $10 if you're a regular. (laughs) But uh, before we dive into what I want to talk about this morning, I do want to take just a second, and I want to reiterate uh, the staff, our church's thankfulness to all of you, to our congregation, and to the people that make up um, our church, because I know that during the holiday season, uh, we ask a lot out of our congregation. I mean, we've talked about already the Thanksgiving boxes um, that were were grabbed last week that are due back next week, by the way. And then the Operation Christmas Child boxes that you saw when you came in. And then in a couple weeks, we're going to have an angel tree from the Conway Ministry Center um, that you can grab. And you can help families um, from the Faulkner County area uh, pay some of their utilities during this holiday season. And then we're going to be asking you to grab tags to to buy dress clothes for our middle school VIP program so that they can can, uh, have have a Christmas party at a restaurant. In Conway, And so we ask constantly during the holiday season for our church to show compassion and generosity and over and over again year after year y'all don't fail us and you always come through. So I, 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 want, to, I want to thank you this morning for that. I want to thank you for your, for your faithfulness. I want to thank you um, for living into the legacy of who the church is supposed to be. Because that's who we're called to be, to be this compassionate, this generous people of God. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about the legacy of this church. About the legacy of who we are and who we call, why we call ourselves um, Greenbrier Nazarites, or the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene. And, and I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. This year, if you didn't know, and I don't think I, I think this probably comes as a surprise to most of you, but this year, 2019, is the and, 115th and 15th anniversary of the, this congregation here. For 115 years, since 1904. The Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene is set on this very piece of land at 64 uh, North Broadview Street in Greenbrier, Nazarene. And if you've taken uh, the class that Melanie and I lead, it's a six-week small group. If you've taken that before, you know a little bit about this history. Uh, I'm going to be repeating it for a a lot of you here today who have gone through that. And by the way, we're starting that back up in January, so if you'd like to sign up, we've got eight brand new spots you can get with me uh, after church or just before January if you'd like to do that, that six-week small group. But if you've been through that class, you know that our church has this rich and vibrant history, this rich and vibrant history that has taken place over the last 115 years of us serving the community of Greenbrier, and I think that it's important on this historic year that we take just this one Sunday and we look back at our legacy and we remember our heritage. Our church is, is one of the oldest Nazarene churches in the state of Arkansas. We're one of the, one of the four or five oldest Nazarene churches in, in the state of Arkansas. And I'll hit on this a little bit later, but we actually predate the denomination. The denomination of the Church of the Nazarene wasn't formed until 1908, and we opened in 1904. And the fact that we are such an old congregation is really unique in America right now. Because when you, when you look at the trends of churches um, in the USA, by and large, older churches, especially those who are 100 years old or older, they're not just not thriving, but they're actively dying. And that's the trend in America. And so that makes us unique. The fact that we are thriving, that we are still growing and, and that, that we are still serving the community um, faithfully it makes us unique to that trend. It makes us uh, almost trendsetters is what I would call it. And the fact that we are still growing and thriving. So I want to take some time today to celebrate that fact and to celebrate what God has done in the Greenberg Church of the Nazarene here at 64 North Broadview Street. And what God has done because of that in the community of Greenbrier, Arkansas. I want to hit on just some, some, some big events, um, some important people to our history. I don't want to get into the nitty gritties, I'm not going to start listing off a lot of names um, or anything like that, but I just want, I want us to know who, what our identity is in the community of Greenbrier. But first, let's take a look at this passage of scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 25, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to, how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Dear God, this morning is, as we take this passage of scripture that you've given us in Hebrews chapter 10, um, and we hold it in comparison to our history, who we are um, as the church, Greenberg Church the Nazarene. God, I pray um, that as we, as we go forward this morning, that you, you not only teach us about what our past has been, God, but you point us to what our future is supposed to look like. God, I pray that you'll be present here in this service, that, that your word will be, uh, will be here present among us just as you are. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Now, before we talk too much about our church uh, you know that whenever I read a passage of Scripture and I preach on it, I always like to give just a little bit of context about the passage of Scripture that we're reading, so that we're reading, so uh, you don't take it too far out of out of context. You don't take it too far out of what the author originally meant for it um, to mean. And Hebrews is such an interesting book in the New Testament because the author of this book is unknown, which is which is unique for the New Testament because uh, we we know most of the authors of the book there in the New Testament. All that scholars really know is that the author of this book isn't Paul, and more than likely uh, isn't one of the other apostles, but this, this man, and, and we do know that it, it probably was, was a man that wrote this um, because of some of the pronouns that are used in it, but this man was probably taught by the apostles. And they know that this author here is most certainly a leader of a church or a leader of a group of Christians in the early church, and he is writing this message as a sermon to be read aloud. And in fact, a lot of the commentaries that, that you see that are written on the book of Hebrews, they refer to the author as the preacher or as the pastor, because there's this such, such a strong indication that this is what the book was intended as. And we come to this, ser- or we come to this sermon here in chapter 10, verse 19, at the end of it which is everybody's favorite part of any sermon, is the end of it. I I thought that that was going to... I really thought, y'all. I I planned that out and thought that's going to be like a laughter break. And Y'all let me down. All right, we'll move on. Because y'all's favorite part of the sermon is the beginning, right? Amen. All All right, so verse 19 here is the beginning of the conclusion of this sermon. And here we see a quick summary of what the book was about. And the beginning of what I usually refer to as the application section of the sermon. Or or here's what I've been talking about and here's how you apply it um, to your everyday life. And and this little summary that the preacher gives here in in verses 19 through through 25 is so beautiful when we hold it in comparison with the history of our church. And I'm going to read these first three verses one more time and I'm going to explain what I mean. Now, when, when, the, when the preacher talks about here, when he talks about the confidence to enter the sanctuary, and he talks about the curtain being opened, or in other passages of Scripture, it talks about the curtain was torn. What he's talking about is this access that Christ gives us to the Holy of Holies. And sc- scholars will tell us that this is one of the biggest, quote-unquote, benefits That came out of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Is that it gave everybody, all the normal people, complete and total access to Christ. It was unprecedented. The the access was unfiltered. It was unwatered down. And because of Jesus, we have access to God. And that's also what what the author means when when he recognizes that, that Christ was the great priest. He's saying that Christ is our access to the Most High, to the God of of creation and earth. Christ acts as our intercessor between us and God. He's the way that we get to God. And it's because of what Jesus did that we can have access to, and I want you to listen to this word, to the holiness of God. To the holiness of God. And the preacher here in Hebrews goes on. And he says that because we have such an access to the holiness of God that we never would have had without the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says this right here in verse 22. He says, because we have that access, let us approach it. Let us approach the holiness of God. But as we approach, we approach it with our clean hearts and our bodies pure. And get this this morning, it's because as we are, just as we are able to access the holiness of God, we are then also called to be holy. And this is what we call the doctrine of holiness. And it's the foundation that our church, Greenberg Church of the Nazarene, and our denomination was built on. It's a call to be the set-apart people of God. And we see this calling all throughout the Bible. In fact, the entire Old Testament is this story of the Israelites trying their best to be the faithful people of God. And over and over, oftentimes failing miserably, they failed to to live up to that high expectation. And Christ comes, and then he opens the doors so that through him we can all be that set-apart, holy people of God. And Jesus teaches, and after him, we see in the New Testament, Paul teaches about this important of being set apart to have a distinguished difference to reflect the creator who made us in his image in the first place and this was the calling that the Greenberg Church of the Nazarene was built on it was to be a holy a holiness people when our church was founded in 1904 uh, the, the Church of the Nazarene as I said wasn't a denomination yet so we were founded as the holiness church in Greenbrier. That was our name. The Greenbrier Holiness Church, or the Holiness Church in Greenbrier. And in May of 1904, a pastor named Reverend Strope came. And on this piece of property, the poor guy, nobody knows his first name. So his last name's Strope, and his first name's Reverend. So Reverend Strope, poor guy. <laughs> I'm looking at Mary because I think she probably knows his first name. <laughs> Anyways, Reverend Stroke came, and right here on this property, right here where we're sitting today, he set up a tent revival, and for one week, he preached a message of holiness for the people of Greenbrier. And out of that revival, the congregation of the Greenbrier Holiness Church was born. And 25 members made up that initial congregation. And what's so special about that is it's a congregation that was made up of many of the grandparents and the great-grandparents of those who are here today. And I think that's very special, that we are still living into that, that that the legacy has been passed down from from generation to generation. But it was a church, and get this, that was born out of revival. It was born out of this this calling of a renewal of God's presence, where where the people of, of Green Bar Nazarene, in essence, they entered the Holy of Holies, And they sat in the presence of God and they committed themselves to a lifetime of holiness. And this call to holiness that the congregation committed themselves to was not a call to pretentiousness. It wasn't a call to, to see themselves as, as better than others because they were set apart. It wasn't a call that was unattainable. It wasn't a call uh, of absolute perfection where they could never, ever accidentally mess up. But it was a call, listen to me, it was a call to live there every day in the presence of God. It was a calling to desire God more than they desire anything else. To live into what Christ did for them through his life, his death, and resurrection. To enter the sanctuary as a reflection of Jesus. But as, as most stories go, as most histories go, the beginning is just that. It's, it's the beginning. And just as the, that commitment to holiness weren't those things that I just listed, it also was not an assurance that the church wouldn't face their own hardships and their own struggles. Throughout the first few decades of the church's history, there was at times a lack of consistent and strong leadership in the congregation, and this community was suffering from severe poverty, and because of that, the church also suffered. And now seems like a good time to cite my sources, uh, which as I've written papers and even in sermons, I've I've found that that is incredibly important, and so y'all don't know that I'm just making this all up, because that could happen, (laughs) But I, I've gathered this information over the past couple of years uh, through some converse, personal conversations with some of those who, who lived out uh, stretches of that his, this history of our church. And you can find some of those conversations um, on a podcast that we did a couple years ago called Saints of the Church. It was actually October of 2017. You can check that out. Uh, on our website but uh, uh, some more of this information came through records that we were able to scrounge up um, and testimonies and and, and numbers and things like that from the past and these records and these testimonies from those who lived through this time tell what is sometimes uh, a disheartening story there's a stretch of about about 35 years When it's very evident um, that this congregation is is suffering from the poverty that's around them. And is suffering from a a lack of of consistent leadership in the church. From the years uh, 1940 to 1975, there were 11 pastors that led the congregation of greenburn Nazarene. Now that's about an average of of three years for each pastor. And, And just hold that in comparison, over the last 35 years, we've had two pastors. So from 11 um, to 2. And as, as this immense poverty was, was kind of creeping into the community of, of Greenboro, I can remember in one of the, the podcast episodes when I talked to, to Marianne and Pat Iberg, uh, they told me of this poverty that the community was experiencing and said that at times during this stretch, um, the church actually couldn't even afford to pay a pastor a part-time salary. So the congregation would pay pastors with the produce that came out of their garden. And and Pat told me, and I kind of laugh at this, Pat told me that um, one of the pastors who was apparently not as great as some of the others almost starved to death because he was getting paid a a little less than the others. (laughs) But during those years of hardship and during those years of of poverty, here's the thing, and we can look back at this in our history. During those years of the early church, of the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene, the church remained a faithful people. Let's look again at at verse 23 in this passage because I think it describes perfectly the attitude of the church during what was a difficult time in our history. It says this Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. In the midst of poverty, and in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of, of war, honestly, is what was going on during, during this time. In the midst of all these things, the congregation held fast to the one thing that brought them hope. They held fast to the holiness message that they had laid their foundation on. And they continued to place their faith in Christ. And just some examples of, of what this looked like. Marianne told me about the time when, when there were, were no men in the congregation. The congregation was mostly um, women and children. But the church knew that on Sunday, Sunday afternoons, um, some young men would gather at this spot in town and they would just be hanging out. And so the church started to run what essentially was our first van ministry, except for it was in the back of a pickup truck, which would never be allowed today. Can you imagine if we were picking up kids in the back? It would be horrible. We would be closed down in the week. But they would go pick up these young men, and they'd bring them to church in exchange for a, a promise of a home-cooked meal afterwards. So they were bribing them with food to come to church. I don't care how you get them here; just get them here, all right? But and I actually think that that's how Marianne met Charles, wasn't it? Through that ministry. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. All right. But there's other countless stories that I could tell you about how the church has remained true to God, who is always faithful. They have made, remained true to the hope that they have in him. I could tell you about how Brother Jim, when, when our church was needing some more parking lot space and we needed to expand um, east, he, he said that he prayed and he prayed and he said he would walk the sanctuary, he would walk the grounds of our church and he would pray that God would intervene and allow the church to purchase land that number one, they couldn't afford and number two, wasn't for sale and God did it. I could tell you about the time, and this is kind of funny, That the church desperately needed to replace an air conditioner that wasn't working. And a semi-truck was headed north on Highway 65 and lost a wheel. And it took out the air conditioner unit and it just perfectly worked out. (laughs) I could tell you about the crazy stories of how the last few pastors here were called into ministry. Or I could tell you about the the many decisions that have happened over the last few decades uh, that have been made in church board meetings that didn't exactly make financial sense but God made it happen anyways. Throughout our history, the people of Greenburn Nazarene have been a faithful people serving a faithful God. Let's look again at verse 24. And I love this passage of Scripture. As I was preparing it this week, I loved how you could take this passage that is a commandment to the church. This is how the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to feel, f- fulfill these things, and when you, you hold it up to our own history, it matches up word for word. Verse 24 says this, And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Now I can tell you that one of the most important ways that our church has remained faithful throughout our 115 year history is that through all of our ups and downs, through all of the struggles, through all, through all of the joys um, and, and mourning, our church has also remained a compassionate people. And as I said, I know that we ask a lot of our congregation sometimes, especially when it comes to this holiday season where we're all, all already stretched so thin as it is. But, but let me tell you why we ask so much. It's because that's a part of who we are. We want our church to be compassionate and generous because that's who we've been from, from the very beginning. And, and let me tell you something that, that you can be proud of, is that the Green Bar Church of the Nazarene is not just known around our community for our generosity and for our compassion. We're not only known uh, around our district, but our church is known at the denominational level for how compassionate and generous and giving and loving that we are. And that makes me proud to be a pastor here. That should make you proud to go to church here, that, that, that you're a part of something that is greater than just what's happening here in Greenboro, Arkansas, but, but as you give, that you are a part of something that impacts people all around this world. And that's something that we can be proud of. We have this, this history of financially backing multiple church plants at various times in our history. We've paid, paid the mortgage of churches who couldn't afford to, to keep their doors open. We've paid the salary of pastors uh, who couldn't, whose church couldn't afford to pay them even a part-time salary at times. And we have given above and beyond to local and global missions. And that's because we have been committed to being a faithful and compassionate People of God, we have been committed to pushing ourselves, to provoking one another, to love and good neat, good deeds, compassion. As a member of the Greenberg Church of the Nazarene, is in our DNA. Even in the years when we weren't financially well off ourselves. Or or, or the the bank account didn't exactly look uh, how we wanted it to look. We were still giving to others in any way um, that we could give. And that's because, and we say this all all the time, we know that because we are so blessed, we are then called to be that blessing to others. And that's something that we not only live live by and live through as a church, but that's also something that we preach to y'all. As you are blessed, you are called to be a blessing to others on the individual level uh, as well. Now, I want to take these things that we've just learned, that, that the Church of the Nazarene uh, is, was a holiness people, that the Church of the Nazarene was a, a faithful people, that the Church of the Nazarene was um, a compassionate people, and I want us to ask ourselves, how do we apply this um, to us today? Because there's one word that I've been saying over and over again throughout this message, and I, and I want to highlight it right now. In the, in the beginning of our history, our foundation was laid on the fact that we were called To be a holiness people. And throughout the years of poverty. And the years of trouble and difficulties. And even today. uh, Our congregation was called. To be a faithful people. And then throughout our history. We have fully lived into the fact. That we are called. To be a compassionate people. And let me tell you. That's because we are a called people. That's who we are as Christians. God has given us a job to do. He, he hasn't just said, you can, you can come to me and you can, you can let me wash you uh, white as snow. And, and then you can go, go on living and you can just try, try to be the best who you can be. No, he calls us to something. He has a job for us to do. And it's to make this community look a little bit more uh, like heaven. And you, you hear me talk about that a lot. That's who we are as Christians. We have a job to do. And I could go on with our history here when talking about um, the word Calling. I could talk about the countless people who have been called into ministry in the history of our church. I could talk about Reverend Agnes Diffie, who was one of our charter members in 1904, and she went on to pastor one of the largest Nazarene churches in the state in Little Rock just a few years later. I could talk about what Mary Ann told me as what, all, by all accounts, was a failed revival somewhere in the 1950s. When, when after a week-long revival, the only person that came to the altar and accepted Jesus was this small little girl. And, and by all accounts, the congregation counted it as a failure because they didn't see droves of people coming um, and accepting Christ. But that little girl went on to become a nurse and to spend her life as a missionary overseas, touching countless of lives. Not only bringing to the, the gospel to people, but also bringing them what, what I refer to as a holistic salvation. Saving their souls and their body. I could talk about all the people who have been called into ministry, but friends, the calling that I'm referring to this morning is not just the call to the pastorate or the call to be a missionary, but it's the calling that each and every one of us have on our life individually. The calling to live into who we are as a holiness people, as a faithful people, and a compassionate people. And as verse 25 says, We are together with urgency. Verse 25 talks about that day, that coming day, and it's referring to the day when Christ shall bring his kingdom um, to the world. That's what it's referring to. And as that day approaches, it, he, the author, the preacher, tells us there in, in verse 25 that we are supposed to become more urgent. We are supposed to be, encourage each other um, all the more. And so as that day draws closer, we encourage each other to be the called people that that preacher in Hebrews has laid out. So that the Lord can can saturate us with his presence. And we can become that, that closer reflection of him that we were created to be. Now, let me tell you why I've gone over this history. Uh, I I didn't just come up here today to tell you some fun stories to to teach you about who we are, although that, that is important. I don't highlight who the church has been simply so that we can only celebrate that today and move on. But it's because as the church has lived faithfully to be these things, we are to also live that way as well. Our history is not only behind us, but it also shows us who we're supposed to be as we move forward. Let me read you a, a quote from Brother Jim Sanders. And he was the pastor um, of this church um, before Brother Steve. And he, he was pastor here for 27 years before he retired from ministry um, in 2011. And these are the words that he wrote for our church's 95th anniversary. I'm going to directly quote him. He said this. Join me in the days ahead as we walk in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. That we may leave a faithful trail. For those who follow. In church, this is the reason why I believe that it's important to be reminded of who we are. So that we don't go on without some identity, without, without any idea of who, who we are or who we are supposed to be. We learn about our history. We, we are reminded of who we are, so that we can then walk faithfully in that and leave a trail for those who follow us. And as we look at this history of our congregation. Over the last 115 years, our church has held firm to the hope that they have through the life of Christ. And today, we still hold on to that hope. We still hold on to the hope that we have because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And sometimes, and I think I can say this morning because, this this morning because our staff is always open and honest, and we, we, just, we just call everything as, as we see it, Um. But sometimes as, as we go to church, for, each, for all of us, and as we become a, a part of a congregation, it can be easy to be focused on things that, that don't matter to God. And, and we, we talk about that all the time. And, it, and when we become focused on those things, whether it's the as, as dumb as the color of the carpet or, or something like that, or, 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 or when we get too focused on, on church growth, or when we get too focused on, on numbers, or when we get too focused on things that don't matter to God, it's easy to become um, disheartened. It's easy to become um, un, unfulfilled in the congregation, unfulfilled uh, as the people of God. Sometimes it can be easy to get caught up in these things, but when I look back over the history of this congregation, when I look back over the last 115 years, a congregation of people who personally has formed me, has molded me, has formed you, has molded you into the person that you are. Now, as I look at, over this history, um, I see a history of faithfulness to the one thing that matters, and that's Christ. And this morning, I want to ask ourselves a question. And I want us to ponder this question um, in prayer. I want us to take it home with us this afternoon. I want us to pray about it over this week and over this month. And, and here's what I wanted, wanted you to ask yourself. want us to ask ourselves is how is God calling us as an individual and as a church, how is he calling us to be faithful to the job that we have to do as the church? How is he calling us to be faithful to the job that we have to do as the church. As we've learned about this crazy and this this wonderful history of the Greenberg Church of the Nazarene, what stood out to us? What stood out to us? What, what can we take um, and, and take that into our everyday lives? Take it at an individual level, but also take it um, as a congregational level. Um, I think that this morning, it's okay for us to pray, God, what, what is the Church of the Nazarene gonna look like in the next hundred years? How, how do you want us this morning um, to be faithful, to, to be committed to the community that you've placed us in and to be faithful to that calling that you've given us? And then at an individual level, God, what are you calling me into today where I can be more compassionate, God, are you calling me into a life of deeper holiness, a deeper reflection um, of, of you, of Jesus? God, are you calling to me uh, to be more compassionate or, or faithful? Maybe you have felt God call you to faithfulness. Maybe you're holding on to something that you just can't let go of, and you needed to be reminded this morning that we serve a God who is faithful and will be there to catch us when we trust him. Or maybe you feel God call, calling you to compassion um, in your own way, to be compassionate to others around you, to be more generous with what you've been blessed with. Maybe you've been intentionally not making eye contact with that big pile of shoeboxes in the foyer. I, I don't know. But I do know that God has us here for a reason this morning. And it's because we are, we are a called people, being called to be more faithful um, in our relationship with him. And so, in a second, we're going to pray. Um, we're going to pray about that. But before I do that, um, I do want to take just a moment in our in our service this morning um, to recognize our veterans in the room. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Um, if you didn't if you didn't already know, and I, I always enter this uh, Veterans Day, and I think we all should, with a little bit um, a little bit of tension, because on one hand, it's it's a day to celebrate. It's a day to celebrate the men and women who have fought for the freedom that allows us to even gather here today. And we are so incredibly thankful for that. But on the other hand, it's also a day that we recognize the great sacrifice and the cost that was paid for those freedoms. And it's this tension between a celebration and a recognition of that cost. The time, the wounds, and the scars. So if you're a veteran or if you're currently serving as a serviceman or woman, would you stand for us this morning so we can recognize you? I'd like to personally thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I would like to personally thank you and celebrate you and recognize the great sacrifice that you gave for our country, um, to recognize the faithfulness to what God called you into and service uh, for our country. Now this morning, to come back to to our message. As we gather in this time of prayer, I want us to, and I'm going to do something a little different, and it's going to weird some of you out. That's okay. If you aren't uncomfortable in church, we're not doing something right. But I want you to, uh, especially if you're a member of this congregation or if you come faithfully um, or you consider yourself a part of the Greenberg Church of the Nazarene, um, I want us to pray together this morning. So what's that going to look like? If you'll just put a hand on the person beside you. And I'm not going to ask um, for an altar call, but if you feel um, like you have burdens or you, ha- you would like to celebrate something at the altar, feel free to do so. Um, absolutely feel free. But today I want us to pray as a congregation, God, what do you have in store for us? God, as we look behind us to how you, you are faithful to us over the last 115 years, what are we being called into today over the next 100? And let's pray that together as a congregation, as a one body of believers. Let's pray. Dear God, this morning we celebrate our history. We celebrate the fact that 115 years ago, our church was started out of a call to revival, out of a call to a reclaiming of your presence here I'm in the Greenbrier community, God. We, we celebrate that. We, we look fondly over the last 115 years. But God, as we look backwards, we can't help but then look forwards. God, because we know that you aren't finished here yet. We know that you aren't done. We know that, that you aren't done with the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene, God. We recognize that. And Lord, our desperate prayer this morning is that we wouldn't try to go our own way. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't take our history, God, and, and leave it by the wayside as we go our own direction, God. But this morning, I pray that, that this congregation, that this church would remain faithful to being a holiness, compassionate, faithful, and called people of God, Your people, people of God, Lord. God, as, as we leave this place as the church, I pray that you will continue to mold us. That as as we look at the life of Jesus, Lord, I pray that that you will mold us into that perfect reflection, God. That you will call us to to, to love and to good deeds, Lord. That we will be an encouragement to each other. And Lord, I I, I especially pray this morning that you will enact in this congregation a sense of urgency, Lord. An urgency to to spread your word. to To be your love to the people around us. To serve faithfully in the community no matter what may come our way, God. We thank you so much for your presence, that you will follow us out of here, God, that that the church is not just simply, that this congregation is not just simply the the buildings that have been erected here on this piece of property, Lord, but it's a group of people who have been called to be set apart, Lord. We recognize that as we leave this place um, this morning. Lord, as we sit here together, reminded that we are all one under your presence, God that we leave, as we come in the door, we leave all other identities behind us and we become the church, the called people of God. We thank you for, we thank you for your faithfulness this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.